Hello and welcome to Florida Basketball Hour. I am Neil Blackard, Saturday Down South, joined as is customary by Eric Fawcett, GatorCountry.com. It has been a while. We took about a six-week vacation, so um, I guess it's time to start talking basketball again. We thought no better way to do that than to bring Blake Lovell, who now again is tied as the uh, all-time leading guest person uh, on our show. He tied it back up with this appearance. Blake, man, what's been going on? Yeah, what's up, guys? Uh, Always fun to join you, yes, and and always fun to set records, uh, positive records, that is. Um, But, yeah, it's, you know, busy, busy summer as always. Um, I'm not on Twitter as much as I used to be. Like, I kind of, I don't know, last year I, like, got into the groove of, uh, I was like, all right, season starts, boom. Uh, you, you're never going to not see me on Twitter. But like when that off season hits, there's just something about it. Where I'm just like, all right, I'm turning it off and I'm done. And so I'll see you guys in November. Uh, but certainly keeping up with everything. And it's, uh, as you guys know, it's been a very busy off season in the SEC, especially when it comes to basketball. So. Well, Neil has always joked that you are the SEC basketball godfather. Um, it's a nickname <laughs> I, I I love for, for so many reasons, but it is true. Um, ever since I kind of started following SEC basketball, um, like, you know, really following and not just being a Florida fan. Um, You were there. And of course, when I started writing about basketball, you know, five years ago, you were, uh, you were cooking, you were cruising at that point. So (laughs) I feel like just like, as long as I've been like really digging into the SEC, um, you have been there. So I thank you so much for your, your years of service. And um, speaking of Twitter, (laughs) um, if people aren't following Blake, something that uh, Blake has gotten into or got into last season was, was getting into Twitter spaces, which I know is huge on Gators. Twitter, so many of you jump in football, especially football spaces, all the time. But uh, there were some really, really good basketball spaces hosted by Blake, especially around SEC tournament time. So um, that'll be, uh, you know, if people aren't already following everything you do, I will say that is one thing very specific to the Twitter experience. Um, that there's some, uh, there's some really good spaces put on by Blake, and it's also cool because he kind of has this group of followers where like there's some Arkansas fans that are really knowledgeable that are in the spaces. There are some South Carolina fans that are really knowledgeable and in the spaces. And uh, I love to talk to fans who are knowledgeable and passionate about their team. So uh, you put that together, Blake. So uh, that is my long way of saying thank you for uh, for all the great work you've done. Well, it's um, it's I was going to say it's a lot of fun. Uh, it is uh, sometimes very entertaining as well. Uh, there's uh, you know, there's kind of a difference there because, as you know, Eric, you can you can get in some that uh, are are just going right along, and all of a sudden, boy, they just really go off course pretty quickly. But um that they are a lot of fun i like you said i I enjoy you know it's funny this this whole sec basketball space like this was this didn't exist like however many years ago and i'm just like man it's it's wild to think kind of where the league's at now and that's obviously when it comes to fan interest and all that and just the interaction on twitter and and everything it's 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 a lot of fun and uh yeah once we once we get the season going we'll be doing the the twitter spaces uh regularly again so yeah anyone who wants to jump in jump right on in there So I was gonna. I, I actually, this is this is interesting. Maybe I was listening to a a a podcast about podcasting um, a couple <laughs> weeks ago. Yes, this is what basketball podcasters do. I listen to those too. So, you know, yeah. <laughs> and while Blake was was taking the Rothstein, we sleep in May uh, <laughs> advice, literally as it related to to Twitter. At least I don't know how many parents with with young infants like Blake sleep. In- <laughs> One thing they said is is make sure you hype up your guests at the beginning because when you do it at the end, like we used to do, uh, a lot of people have have either turned you off when the content's over. So just make sure you guys follow Blake if you're not on Twitter and you're, you're listening, you haven't heard him. He's at at the Blake level or at yep at the Blake level <laughs> the Blake level. Um, he we got Blue Ribbon Yearbook um, that he still works on. I, it's still kind of it's like the Phil Steele of of college hoops still. Um, which is pretty awesome. And then you can find Blake's work all over the place. My favorite bit of Blake work, which has gone back for years and years, um, is that I don't think anybody previews game night week to week better. Um, you know, if, if there's a game, if, if you didn't know that Ole Miss was making their trip to South Carolina on a Tuesday night in February, don't worry. Blake's going to tell you what's going to go down. Um, and I've always thought that that's extraordinarily useful, even for fans that are really dialed in. So 
Um, make sure you get followed him, and we're going to get into talking SEC, but we, we had to hype up our guest a little bit. I was going to say, guys, I, you know, I've done a lot of podcasts over the years, including your own. Um, this is this is some of your best work ever, I've, I've got to say. Um, you know, five <laughs> minutes in, like this is this is just fantastic work. But no, I I do appreciate it, and and like you said, you guys especially, you know, I, I there are a lot of people that are focused, team specific, and all that, and, and certainly I understand. But I know you guys know the league uh, as well as anybody uh, overall, not just Florida, but you understand the league, and so that always makes for a a very enjoyable discussion. So. So I do think Neil's got a bunch of uh, a bunch of questions and a lot of things we want to ask you, but I just kind of want to start. Um, uh, I think we're going to start in the portal, but I just kind of ca- want to ask you, especially when it comes to previewing the league, like if you want to talk like five years ago in the SEC where basketball wasn't as strong as it was now, but like recruiting was was really heating up. One of the best ways to see who was going to be good in the SEC was look at their recruiting classes. Um, of course, there's a lot of programs that are recruiting at a really, really high level, uh, but there's also a bunch of teams that are doing re- really well in the portal. So how do you personally weigh the established talent, especially from low major and mid-major leagues that might be coming into the SEC uh, with traditional high school recruiting? Like how do you strike the balance of, of what you want to weigh more heavily when kind of evaluating where you think teams might uh, might stand. Yeah, I mean, as you guys know, it's gotten tougher and tougher each year. Like, I really believe that. It's one of those things where it's just, you know, as the transfer portal has become such a big deal and, you know, as some teams in particular, as we know, have really moved away from hardly bringing in uh, many freshmen at all and pretty much just building all around transfers, um, it does become difficult. And I think it's what you said, Eric. It, the, the hardest ones to judge are the ones that are coming up from – you know, the, the mid-major, low-major levels. And I think that's just, to, to me, even if there's a guy you look at and say, man, he is a home run, slam dunk, guarantee, uh, we've just seen some of those. It just does not work out. And I think that's always the hardest thing to predict for me going into a season is when you're, especially now, like I said, because it has gotten harder each year, where a lot of these teams um, are compiled of, basically guys that you know were playing on another team last year or um, were in high school and it's just like how do you how do you strike that balance between trying to figure out okay they got a lot of talent but what about the team that's got you know five guys coming back which let's be honest guys having having five guys coming back these days is uh that's a lot so um i think it is it is a challenge and i think it's just a matter of you know really trying to dive into these individual players and I think that, again, there are some things you can find with some of these guys that are transferring up from low major, mid major, where you can kind of see, okay, if they're going to a place where you feel like it's going to, you know, benefit them overall, they're in a good, good system for maybe their skills. I think that's the biggest thing. It's not necessarily just what you see from a production standpoint, because I think honestly, guys, that's the hardest part is like, (laughs) I can look at a guy that averaged 17 a game in the horizon league, but you know, when he comes up to, to the SEC, I, I I don't really put a lot of stock in that because I'm like, OK, he did that there. That's great. But I need to kind of dive in a little bit and see what's you know, what's the athleticism like? What 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 can he do here? What can he do there? And I, and I think that's the thing you have to do even more so than ever. You know, we obviously us three, we, we really research guys and we really dive into what their skill sets are. But I think now more than ever, it's so important when you're trying to project what a league's going to do overall, because, man, guys, you just don't it's so hard to predict because it's just, you have so many new pieces and on a lot of these teams and how that chemistry comes together. There's another just unpredictable element. I think. Ooh, horizon to SEC transfers. I, I wonder what program you could be talking about. Well, it's funny you say that because there was, <laughs> there was one guy I was thinking of that was not Florida based. It was uh, another guy who was recently in the league. Um, I don't, I don't feel like I, I, I probably shouldn't like call him out, but I, I don't think he's in the league anymore. I think he transferred somewhere else. Um, and I'm trying to keep this very open-ended. I know exactly where he is, but I'm not going to say it. Um, but it, it's just one of those things where this was a guy I actually knew, you know, very well from doing some of the stuff I, I've done for Blue Ribbon over the years. And I tell you, when when he was there, I was like, man, this guy is going to be, I think he's going to be great for the SEC, you know, and it just did not work out. And I think those, again, that's, it's so hard to make those kind of predictions on some of these guys, no matter how talented they are, no matter how, how good their numbers were in different, you know, mid-major type leagues. It's just, that makes it tough. And, and guess what? We're going to talk about it here in a second. There are some teams in the SEC um, looking at you, LSU, and, and some of the others where it's just you got a lot of those kind of guys on the roster this year, and that's going to make it kind of hard to predict what you're going to get from them. So, 
Yeah, just one one more thing before Neil gets into you know the real questions. But I, you know, it is something that uh, I think you can. Uh, uh, Neil will laugh at this for sure. But what one of the things that I think some of the listeners have not loved about our coverage over the last year or so is like, um, I don't know if you've seen this, Blake, but every uh, every year with Florida's incoming transfers, I I try to algorithmically predict it with a system that I've been working on, and I've had some pretty good success over the last two years. But one of the things that I've pretty much noticed is like, for lack of a better term. I think that like 90% of mid-major players when they go to the high major level are overrated by fans. And, you know, there's a lot of numbers to back it up. So it's kind of one of those things that if you, if you took the, if you took the under on production of every mid-major to SEC player, like you'd, uh, you know, you'd come up winning uh, more than not. So it is something that um, to hear you kind of talk about, that's like, yeah, the, the, the fit matters and uh, production in some other leagues is just uh it's, it could look great and maybe those guys are going to be good role players in the sec but if they're relied upon like maybe not so much and i think that you're kind of seeing that with uh with the way that uh, teams are teams are kind of you know starting to put rosters together and kind of not putting all their eggs in in one basket and it's one of those things that i think that you know i've seen with your coverage as well it's like when you do have returning players those guys with with value that has been established in the sec are always going to be um, that, that is far more of a sure thing than, than the shiny productive player from the mid major ranks. Yeah. And let's be honest, like when the sec does their preseason media poll and all that these days, if you really go back which I've kind of gone back the last couple of years, the teams that are picked near the top are the teams that have the most returners. And it, I'm not saying that in every case, but it's just like, if there's that glaring thing where you're like, okay, well, these guys have more guys coming back. Um, I'm going to probably lean towards them because I, there's just a lot of unknowns with all these other guys that are coming in elsewhere. So uh, I, I think that's something that nowadays, like we just, we kind of have to do that. Like you said, if there's an established group of talent that's coming back on a particular team, you're going to probably lean towards that group there versus even if there's a similar group, but let's say all three or four of those guys played in different places last year. And you don't know what the chemistry is going to be like. It's, it's so hard to judge. And like, I understand like from a fan standpoint, you know, you have to be optimistic because all you can really go on is like, okay, I obviously didn't go back and, you know, watch, um, I don't know, we were state, right? Like I didn't watch all their games last year, but I see this guy coming in that averaged 18 points a game. Well, I'm going to be optimistic because it's like, well, I don't have anything else to go on. I mean, I guess I can go back and watch him on YouTube and that kind of stuff, but it's not like I watched every game he played in. So that's the difficult part too, is when you're really, which we know coaching right. staffs and all that, they, they have the luxury of being able to do that, but fans don't. And I think that makes it so much harder to judge some of these guys. So. Yeah. And I mean, uh, Fawcett gets the, the Florida basketball hour ballot this year for the, you know, I, I, I hogged that thing for the last two years when we finally got one. So he gets to actually pick the conference champion, which may mean that for the first time ever, uh, Florida basketball, hour will pick Kentucky to win the league. Um, <laughs> but I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what Eric does, but it's going to be interesting. To your point, like I think you're going to see Tennessee and Kentucky on a lot of ballots. Right. And what is the like kind of common thread between them? Like it's recruiting and, and returners, right? It's yeah. less, it's less portal. Now, obviously, you know, Kentucky grab like what the number two or three scorer in the portal, and we're going to get to that. But still, for the most part, it's like first returning national player of the year since Tyler Hansbrough. And then, you know, I, I don't, I'd be stunned if the, at least four pieces of Tennessee's starting lineup aren't in Sharpie already. Yeah. And I think that's just, you know, and we'll, like you said, we'll talk about it in a second, but like compare Kentucky and Tennessee to Arkansas. Like it's the perfect comparison because Arkansas is basically an entirely different team. And yet, you know, and there was a point in this offseason where I was like, man, I think Arkansas is going to be the best team in the league. And I still think they have the potential to do that. But it's if we're judging it now, as we're talking in August, we, we usually are going to lean towards what we know. And what we know is that Kentucky's got a lot of guys coming back who got them you know, 25 plus wins last year. Same with kind of looking at Tennessee and all the guys they've got coming back. So that's why I think you are, you know, that again, I always say it and people are like, Oh, well, of course that, but I'm like all we can do is go off of what we have on paper. Like that's all we have right now. Like we, I can't tell you what things are going to look like in February because I don't know who's going to get injured. I don't know how this is going to turn out, but as of right now, like that's just what you have to kind of lean towards. I think, and to me, it makes sense because again, it's like, well, I'd rather have the sure thing, although maybe it's not completely sure, and the thing that looks really good, but I just I have no idea what it looks like yet because I haven't seen it actually on the court. So, well, let's start. Let's start with Arkansas because you brought them up. So, um, 
you know, obviously when your nickname is the importer, uh, you're kind of known to, to be the guy who puts together the transfer portal rosters. Uh, Coach Moss has been doing it longer than anybody, really. Um, and, and they did do it again, you know, to large, at least in large part uh, with what they're bringing in, Blake. Um, you know, it's not just it's not just the portal, to be fair. I think, um, you know, you got a couple big time recruits that they're going to blend them in. And then, uh, you know, I think all eyes may be on Trevin Brazil, who's a guy I know Eric loves. Um, but what are your thoughts on, on what he's done in the portal this year? I mean, listen, one through whatever, I, Eric may have a better grasp on the number uh, at this point, but like one through eight, at least, I mean, they are like, they're going to be, I think as good as anybody in the SEC. I, I really, I truly believe that. I, I just look at, like we just said, I, I know it's kind of maybe contradictory to what we just said a little bit, but it's just, when you see all the talent that's there, it's hard not to look at Arkansas and say, man, that's going to work. And I think, you know, when you have a Nick Smith, when you have these other guys that are coming in, the Anthony Blacks and, um, you know, all those guys like that and just the different pieces that are in place. Talked about Brazil. I think he'll be – I just – for some reason, I just think he's going to really shine with Arkansas. I think Muss is someone that will really understand how to use him and, and his skill set. Um, and I think that's something else, you know, you have to factor into is the guys who have the history with this. And like you said – Neil, it's like, I mean, must started this whole deal. I mean, let's be honest. Like he was, he's the importer for a reason. Like he was the guy who was in the, from the very beginning. Right, like, right. He, I mean, he is like, you can call this the, the must portal. Like it's just, he was the guy that started all this essentially. And um, he's just, it has become a science. And I say that all the time. It's like, I mean, their staff has made this a science. Like they understand what you have to do to go out and identify the guys that are going to fit. Has everyone fit that he's brought into Arkansas? No. But the majority of the guys he's brought in um, have done a really good job of helping them win a lot of games and get them, what, to back-to-back uh, Elite Eights now. And, you know, I just look at it that way, and I'm thinking, man, this is this is something where you're going to give Must the benefit of the doubt. There are a lot of new pieces, and you're going to say, well, there's not a, you know, there's not a J.D. Note there. There's not a Moses Moody. Like, those guys aren't there, but – you know, you still look at this roster and you're thinking, well, he's put all these pieces in place for a reason. And you got to believe that he knows what he's doing because we have the history that he does know what he's doing. And so um, this team will be different than probably the past couple. But I do think you could make the case that perhaps this team could be deeper um, and, you know, they'll play a little bit of a different way. But when you were leading the way with, you know, Smith, Black, Davis um, as your guards, I think there's a ooh, there's a lot you can work with there. So. Yeah, and you said like they don't have a Moses Moody, but I really think Nick Smith could end up being that yeah. quality of player, if not more. And it's that's what's kind of nice for them is that they've got a couple avenues that could kind of like work out where like Nick Smith could be their best player, but like Devontae Davis could also be their best player. And then like, of course, you got some of the other transfers. So it's like they could have a couple of guys kind of emerge in different kind of leadership roles. But yeah, I, I love Brazil. I think he was fantastic. The first time I laid eyes, eyes on him, I'm like, that's an NBA player. Um, I still kind of think so. And I even think like you look at like a Ricky council and it's like, I thought Arkansas had a lot of success with Trey Wade and that was kind of a good, I don't want to say under the radar transfer. I mean, he's played at some good programs, but not a player that has crazy numbers, but completely fit what Arkansas kind of, wanted to do and, and into their style of play. And I feel like Ricky council is similar. So that's what one thing I also really respect what Arkansas is that they're not just getting the biggest names in the portal as much as we joke that every time a big name goes in the portal, you see Arkansas is offered in 0.2 seconds. Um, as much as they do that, they also will get guys that they also will get guys that aren't necessarily like, like the Ricky council um, or, you know, Trevon Brazil who, do, who don't have ridiculous numbers. They just project well within the system. And um, that's what I think is just, something that uh, you know was maybe some of our frustrations with some of the transfers that Florida brought in from a kind of Florida standpoint for this podcast. And I also think when I'm looking at these teams at the top of the SEC, I'm not just looking at who brought in the biggest names, but who has a defined style of play that uh, you know, these players can plug into. Yeah, I think that's, that's it. I mean, and again, it is just kind of the style and, you know, I think that there have, there's been some things, you know, Arkansas has done really well, even during these runs they've had in, in the recent years. There have been other things where you're just kind of like, all right, 
Um, but you take the good with the bad sometimes because when you do have the the star players that they brought in, you know, again, like a, like a Moody leading the way a couple of years ago, Note last year, um, you just know that you're getting these playmakers. And I think that's what we've seen with Musk. Like you can even go back to, what was it? The, um, gosh, the, was it the Martin twins, uh, at Nevada. And, you know, you just talk about all the, the playmakers that he's brought in and guys that, you know, can be that guy. And you just said it, Eric, it's like Nick Smith, he's going to be that guy probably. And so, um, when you have that one guy like that, and that's what they had with Note, it's what they had with Moody, that you feel like can just take over a game potentially and just you have your go-to designated guy that if you need a basket, you know, whatever, down two with 30 seconds to go, like you feel very confident that you can put this guy in a position to do that. And, and it just seems like they've had one of those guys. And, and I think that's so important in this day and age, especially where, you know, when you look at just offenses and, and kind of the evolution of everything and how we've seen the game move, um, I think that's so important. So, I I tell you guys right now, and it, it, my opinion is probably not going to change on this barring a significant injury going into the season, but I just don't really see a scenario at this moment where I would pick any other top three in some order than, you know, having Kentucky, Tennessee, and Arkansas in there. Again, I don't know what that order will be come November, but I just think that I don't want to say they're far and away the best three teams, but uh, there may be – I don't even want to use the word drop-off because that sounds like it's bad because, I mean, I think, you know, Auburn, Bama, those kind of teams, even Florida – LSU, I think, is very intriguing. But I just think these top three teams, these are, these are to me, best case scenario, these are three top ten type teams, perhaps right off the bat. Um, and it's just a matter, I think, for Arkansas to see how quickly everything comes together. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I'm not going to argue with that. It'll be interesting to see how Fawcett lines them up. I'm pumped that, that he, gets the, uh, he gets the ballot this year because that thing is not fun. Um, like it's not fun when like you know a coach and you're like, man, I'm gonna put that guy's team 12th. <laughs> yes, you know, I understand he, that. Trust he, me. <laughs> <laughs> he's gonna be he's gonna be sending me a message. So Fawcett can deal with all that nonsense. Um, this season, no, but uh, you mentioned Alabama, and so you know, I was talking to to some people, speaking of, of friends in the industry, and Eric knows probably where I'm going with this already, but. That last year was surprising to me. I, they weren't as good as I thought they'd be. Um, I don't think he ever – I don't think Coach Oates ever really figured out what he wanted to do inside, Blake. Um, you know, they went from playing kind of four out, one in, almost five out by the NCAA tournament, right, to to um, kind of playing three and two with Rojas and Odiaco. And, uh, you know, I don't know what he's going to do with his bigs. And we still don't – I guess that – when you have defenders like Josh Primo and Herb Jones, uh, you can play a lot of different ways, but mainly you can play as fast as they did because if you do get back into half-court defense, you're going to shut people down. I'm not certain that, like, Mark Sears sticking with the portal theme, Dominic Welch, like, is this team going to defend the way Nate Oates needs them to defend to play the way he wants to play? Are they kind of going to be that six, seven seed type program next year again, where people go, man, did, did they just kind of strike lightning in a bottle in year two? Cause trust me, Florida just made a coaching change and and their fans know all about striking lightning in a bottle in year two. Yeah. I, I, I tell you, this is, um this is one of those teams. I think you circled that. I just I don't have a great grasp on what to expect from Alabama. And I think it was just because of all the inconsistency last year and fair, unfair. I know it's a new season, but right, it, it's still going to be in your mind in terms of, you know, there, there are you basically got a perhaps an entirely different looking group here in terms of just how the rotation looks. Um, sure, there'll be there's a couple guys in there that were, were there last year, but it's it is going to be one that is really hard to sort of predict how it's going to play out because for. You know, again, all the inconsistency they had last year, some of those guys are, you know, they're, they're, they're definitely NBA players. And I think they're NBA players on this roster for sure. Obviously, we, we talk about the class that they're bringing in, you know, top three class nationally. And you're going to talk about Brandon Miller a lot this season, Jaden Bradley and all those guys. But um, like you said, I, I think it goes back to the defensive end. I, I think Alabama will be able to score. I've never had that issue, um, you know, that, that concern when it comes to Nate Oates' team there. I just – defensively last year, man, there were a lot of things you could look at and just say, Ooh, um, you know, and, and certainly it just, for some reason, like you mentioned, it just kind of went off the, the tracks there. And, and I don't know why that happened. I think there was 
certainly some outward frustration that, you know, Nate Oates is someone, as you guys know, is never one to shy away from saying what he thinks. And um, you can tell <laughs> he was, he was very frustrated with yeah. his team and he did not mind saying that publicly, um, you know, guys in particular, and he's just one that's going to do it that way. And I, I think this is a team though, that, like I said, I mean, you know, when we talk about like ranges of where they could finish talent wise, I mean, they, they have the talent to finish in the top, three in the sec i don't think this is a, a league winning roster as it stands but i think this is a team that can get there on the flip side of that you know i think you also have to compare it to the teams around you and i think that there are other teams that are just as talented uh we talked about you know several of them already um you know we'll get to some of the others but i just i think they are one that their talent should carry them to the ncaa tournament it's just what's that road look like for them to get there uh, because they are going to be relying on freshmen, which I always say, I don't care how good you are. Um, there's still going to be some, some ups and downs. There's still going to be a little bit of a transition there. I don't think every freshman's going to be perfect. I'm sure there are some examples we could find if I had an hour to go through and find them, but you know, there are guys that will, will struggle with some things. And what we always say, you know, offensive ends probably going to come quicker. Maybe sometimes in the defensive end, depending on, especially when you're playing an Alabama system, in my opinion, um, which is the kind of a free flowing offense and you kind of know what you're getting, but I, I think Alabama will be really good. Um, but like you said, I, I think the defensive side is something that is still perhaps going to be a work in progress. I don't really know what that's going to look like. Let's say game one versus game 10, um, and I think that's probably one of the bigger storylines you're going to look at. I think the depth's there. I think they got good depth. Um, it's just, you know, can they, can they play yeah. their style effectively? Right. And and can they defend? I think that's the, that's the thing. So I do think it's funny. You've mentioned depth for a couple of teams here that don't really like to play deep into their bench. Um, of right. course, Arkansas <laughs> being the, uh, being more of the example, but I do think that again, Alabama is an example I, with Arkansas kind of, getting some players that fit into what they do. Like, I, I, again, part of this is salt. Like, I'll be honest here because I really wanted Noah Gurley to go to the Gators, but like <laughs> Noah Gurley is a guy who plays out of the high post, really good passer, um, you know, face up from the high post and go one-on-one. -on -one, and it's just like that, you know, playing in, of course, the Princeton offensive Furman that we all love that. And it's just like, what a polar opposite to, how Alabama wants them to play, wants their fives to play. And it was like that fit just never really seemed to work when he committed there. And it didn't really seem to work last year. And um, kind of even looking at the the guys they got this year, it's like, yeah, you know, Mark Sears and, and Dominic Welch are good productive players, but are, are they the kind of style of guards that, that Oates has had a lot of success with? I'm, I'm not sure. So I do think that he's gotten the, um, gotten some big name guys, some productive guys, but it was just like, yeah, like I feel like we could have picked out that Noah Gurley wasn't going to fit in the system from a mile away. And um, unfortunately, you know, I, I, maybe it'll come, it'll work out this year, but I just, I, I don't know if that was best for Gurley and um, we'll see how it works out for some of these guys. But again, kind of talking about like how far the league has come, like with uh, the recruiting class they have with the transfers they have, like, the fact that this isn't like a clear top three roster, like I feel like this is, if this was 2017 or 2018, this would be like a clear top three roster, you know, competing for the top in the sec. And it's not. So I just like the fact that we can look at these players and say like, Oh man, like maybe they'll, they might finish eighth in the league. Like that really speaks to where the sec is at. Yep. For sure. So, um, you know, I kind of, I want to make sure that we talk a little bit about some of the fits because we could go team by team and be here for two hours. And, <laughs> and, you know, Eric and I would love that, but I know you got stuff to do Blake, but let's, uh, let me ask you this. Is there a better fit than Johnny broom at Auburn from anyone that anyone did in the portal in the sec? Yeah, he is. Um, Bruce is, he's going to be in love. <laughs> I think uh, it's uh yeah, it, it is a great fit. There's no doubt about it. And I think as we talked about earlier too, I think it's when you think about what you're surrounded by, that's always important. And, and I think he's just going to be, Oh man, they're going to be able to use him in, in a variety of different ways. And, you know, again, we talk about a team that that's got options. I don't you know. I, I think Auburn's deep from, you know, a certain standpoint, I don't know that this will be Bruce's deepest team he's had there, but I mean, this is one though, where you talk about bringing him in and, what he's going to add to the mix. I mean, you just, I mean, think about it guys, right. It's like you lose Jabari Smith, you lose Walker Kessler, 
And well, you know, you bring this guy in, who's just going to be such an, an impactful player, I think, in terms of how they want to use him and um, those kind of things. And you just, you kind of, and look, I, I'll say the same thing about him that I, I've said about other guys. Like, I think it's, it's giving Bruce Pearl the benefit of the doubt. And I know that's not everyone's favorite thing to do, um, but especially non-Auburn fans, but look, he, he has a history of, of using guys like this in a very successful manner. And, you know, again, combining that with the success that he's had at Auburn, I just think there's so many things to like, um, you know, about adding Broom to the roster, but also with the rest of the roster. And, you know, we, we saw some inconsistency with our guard group last year, and I think that'll still be something that we look at and what's the jump look like for, you know, for Wendell Green and Katie Johnson, those kind of guys. But, man, when you look at those guys that, that they've got a potential to have, you know, with Broom, Flanagan, Traore, those guys – um, there, there's a lot to like, and and I think it's going to be very interesting to see how things kind of play out for Auburn because I think there'll be a team that'll be picked in the top five for SEC wise. I don't, I don't, I'd be surprised if anyone picks them lower than that going into the season, just based on their roster and, and the addition of a broom. But yeah, there's a lot to like about him. Um, I think anybody in the SEC would have loved to have him on the roster uh, coming into the season. Just someone that will will, will add a different element uh, for Auburn, especially with this particular roster. I think. Yeah, I kind of thought that throughout the second half of the SEC season that some of the slander of Auburn's guards was like, I, I thought people got a little crazy with it. And then, of course, in the yeah. in the NCAA tournament, it's like, oh, uh, of course, uh, a lot a lot of the haters were, were, you know, taking a victory lap at that one. So I'm pretty interested to see, uh, yeah, if, how, how those guards are, how they improve. Of course, a couple of them coming back is pretty interesting. We're so used for so long to seeing some of these top transfers into the SEC for for just one year but of course we're getting to see this backcourt kind of again so i'll be interested how that goes but as someone who was a defender of the, some of those guys last year during the season um i'm still like, going to be a little bit of a, of a defender so i am i am buying the auburn stock and i know that like you kind of gave the caveat of like uh some people don't like to give bruce pearl the benefit of the doubt but i do think for me he is it's, it's kind of gotten to the point where i i give him the benefit of the doubt again i love the the style they play offensively um i like how the pieces fit um so yeah i i i would second a lot of what you're saying about auburn yeah i just think they're in a good spot and you know it's it's kind of i don't want to say it's the exact same because it's not but like you know we saw what happened to auburn last year at the tournament um and there'll be a lot of people that'll somehow find a way to start using that somehow against Bruce Pearl um in his career but I always look at it and I'm like man it's it's one game and I know the Rick Barnes discussion gets brought up a lot and, and those kind of things but you can't ignore the success that's had over a longer stretch of games um and you know you can kind of set the tournament stuff off to the side but I mean Auburn's gotten to a final four um and just the, just to say that right like I mean again like you said you did right. yeah five six years ago um just to say that phrase there is pretty remarkable and I don't know if they get there this year but um talent will not be an issue so yeah no I mean it's still a, I think a top five roster in the SEC just a matter of of where they finish um another intriguing one where we're used to them being a top five roster in the SEC and now I don't know if we really know what to think um, other than instead of a strong ass offer, we had a tough ass job for Matt McMahon down in Baton Rouge. Uh, you never want to show up at a job and be like, yeah, you don't have any employees. Yeah. Um, but that's essentially like what he did. Um, and you know, I mean, a couple guys did decide to, to stay, uh, which is wonderful. Um, and then I guess if you're going to rate a former program, you might as well raid one that was in the second round of the NCAA tournament, right? Um, and and get KJ Williams and Justice Hill and what's the other guy? Uh, Trey Hannibal? Yep. Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, so I mean, they end up filling up the roster. I don't, I think it's an intriguing team. I have no idea how all those pieces are going to fit together. Um, but I thought keeping Milwani Wilkinson, who Eric will be not surprised at all that I mentioned, uh, is a huge deal. Just because that even with Will Wade gone, I think understands what it takes to win there. And and it'll be interesting to see how uh, Matt puts all that together. Yeah, I I'm a big fan of Matt McMahon. Um, you know, I that's what it I think it was pretty interesting this offseason. We talked about the coaching change. I think there was pretty de clearly defined list of guys that you knew were gonna wind up in the SEC, you just didn't know where they were gonna wind up. Um, I think that was the most fascinating part for me. It was like, okay. 
I know McMahon's going to be here. I know Dennis Gates will be here. I know Todd Golden's going to be here somewhere. Um, where do these guys wind up? Like which job? And and I think for certainly Matt McMahon, I think he walks into the toughest one because um, again, you don't really know what's next maybe for, for the program in particular. And like you said, he comes in with a, not even a roster. Like it's just him. Like he's out there by himself running the drills, I guess. Um, you know, he takes <laughs> the job on day one, but you know, now he's got a roster and credit him and his staff for putting this roster together because it is a pretty good looking one. Uh, I think it's, it's a very, like you said, if you're going to pick guys up transfer wise, and we talk about making that transition right from low major, mid major, but Murray state's kind of a, an exception because you look at, like you mentioned, it's not just, they got to the second round of the tournament, but I mean, this was a team that I think if you put, you know, up against, let's say you pick nine other SEC or 10 other SEC teams, to play a one-off yeah. game against, they're going to win maybe half of those games. Like, and, and I truly believe yeah. that with last year's roster. So I think that's how you have to look at it too. That's, that's one way maybe you can judge a little bit better. And he's got, you know, the guys that were kind of such a big part of that with Williams and Hill and, and Hannibal and those guys. So I think that is good. That's a, that's a great starting point. But like you said, you also get Wilkinson back. Adam Miller returns. That was big. I thought, um, you know, cause he was someone that we had such high expectations for. I think LSU did last year, um, going into the season, then he gets hurt. So I, yeah, I'd say I didn't like this roster when McMahon first took the job or a couple weeks after, cause I was like, well, there is no roster. But now that I look at it here in early August, I think I'm curious to see what sort of, I don't think there's going to be like a consensus on LSU cause I think they're going to get picked all over the place, but I'm curious to see kind of how everyone else views them going into the season, because I think they're a team that looks like an NCAA tournament team to me on paper. Um, you know, and I'm curious to kind of see where everybody picks them in the preseason, because, um, you know, I don't, I'm not saying they're a top three, top five team. I would probably wouldn't put them in the top five, but I think they're one of those teams that's battling for an NCAA tournament spot, you know, going into February. And, um, you know, again, though, that, that, <laughs> I guess that kind of, again, going back to my initial point we had in this conversation, it's hard to say that with complete confidence, knowing that it is basically an entirely different roster that's going to be playing. Even Miller, you know, wasn't, wasn't even there, basically. Um, so I think that's the hard thing to judge. But I, I still think that there's, you know, there's a lot of potential. And I think there's a lot of reason for optimism just this season for LSU with the roster he put together. Yeah, speaking of the continuity from Murray State, I mean, Murray State was like a top 40 Ken Palm team. So that's good yeah. for like eighth in the SEC next year. Or, or like, you know, how you would yeah. probably guess how things break down. And that's, again, that exact Murray State roster. And then you add in that there's not just Murray State players, there's LSU guys. So um, I'm a fan. I think that there's like definitely a universe that exists where um, McMahon could have been the, co the coach of Florida. Like that was a name yeah. that, that we liked. If you, you know, sh shook up the sh snow globe a couple of times or, you know, replayed this, uh, the, if you ran the sim a couple more times, you could definitely see a world where, where he was at Florida. So we'll see ultimately. I mean, we'll see how we had success in a very tough position, but I think things are going uh, uh, very well for him so far and, and just for how he coached kind of on the floor schematics. I mean, I would say, I guess I'm a little bit biased because I've watched a few of his coaches clinics and really liked them. So um, I, I, I think I'm going to be on the, the higher end of, of kind of consensus. We'll, we'll see exactly where I'm able to put them. But I think like you said, if you, uh, if they didn't end up finishing like, you know, fourth or fifth um, it's, I wouldn't predict it now, but I don't think it would be too shocking. No. So um you know, let's let's transition to Gators before we wrap up. Uh, Todd Golden here, uh, speaking of Kim Palm teams, I mean, San Francisco Dons, rest in peace, Bill Russell. Um, top 25 Kim Palm program <laughs> last year. Uh, pretty ridiculous. Um, and, you know, the WCC was, you know, you for years you'd heard, oh, it's actually a lot better than you think, and it wasn't. Uh, but now it, it kind of is. And some of that has to do with what Kyle Smith and, and Todd Golden did at San Francisco. Uh, but he comes to Florida, and then you look at these various portal rankings, and Florida's pretty consistently in the top 10 in terms of what they, they brought in. And I think the biggest difference, at least to Eric and I, and this is great to get your kind of perspective on it, isn't just bringing in a Kyle Lofton, who obviously is a three-time Atlantic 10, all-Atlantic 10 point guard. Uh, but – the fact that there seems to be 
some thought to the cohesion and identity of of who you're bringing in. Um, it's not just let's go land the big name, um, which Mike White was able to do. And I don't want to get too critical of Mike because, you know, Mike obviously had some success with transfers. Canyon, very sixth man of the year for all the whining about Kerry Blackshear. He was still an all SEC player. Um, so I think, you know, Florida did okay under white in the portal, but this seemed to be this team and the way they've assembled, it seems much more strategic at least to, to me and Eric. Yeah. Like you said, I think that's, you know, we, we just talked about a team that had to compile their roster out of necessity. I don't know what LSU is going to look like from a cohesion standpoint, but they had to fill the roster. And, you know, I think that was one when you're, when you're a Matt McMahon, you're in a situation where you've just got to go out and get guys. And, and certainly, like I said, I'm not, not knocking him for how he did it because we think they've got the potential to, to be a pretty good team. But this was one of those where you could be a little more strategic because I think if you're Todd Golden, you're looking at it and certainly you get, you know, the big boost by Castleton returning and you've got guys like Reeves and Jones there. And, um, you know, those kind of guys getting them back, that's, that's something that I think, okay, now we can sort of, which I know time frame wise, yeah, good, good luck, right? Guys asking me when all this happened from a time frame standpoint of who came where and when and all that. But um, <laughs> yeah. you know, with with whatever 1700 however many there is in the portal, like good luck trying to remember when these things happen. But um it is a situation though, you can look at your roster and be like you you said, Neil, like be a little more thoughtful. And that's not to say no one else is, but it's you, you can look at it and understand we have to have this type of characteristic, right? At this position, we need this right here because we've already got this guy over here who can do that. Um, and, you know, that's how coaches put their rosters together. But I I do, like, I think with how he did it specifically was very impressive to me because, you know, as we said, I mean, there there are immediately high expectations. I think when you, you step into this Florida job, it was – I don't want to say it's the same thing because Mike White followed a situation where, you know, you're following Billy Donovan and you understand right off the bat, the expectations are one of those where we didn't necessarily run off the guy in front of us. Um, and I'm not to say that they ran off Mike White, but I think, you know, just kind of understanding that this is a different situation for Todd Golden where expectations are high, but you know, it's one of those where when you compare it maybe to the expectations and how high they were for the guy that came before you, it's a little bit different because I think there's a little bit of leeway here. Um, and not to say that, again, I think Florida is going to compete for an NCAA tournament spot this year. I don't know exactly where I would place, place them at this moment um, because, like we, we said, there are teams like Alabama, LSU, those kind of teams that I think are just really hard to place right now. So I don't know where maybe you put Florida in, in that sort of um, you know hierarchy there of teams like that. But when you just look at the starting five, potentially, like I think it's one that you've got an all SEC player in Castleton. You know he's going to be one of the whatever top five probably players in the league. Um, when you can lean on a guy like that, add a loft into the mix, who I think is going to come in right away and just we talk about systems, right? And, and we know – there's a lot of love for Todd Golden because of how he likes to play the game. And I think that's one where you add a loft into the mix. Um, I feel like he's just, you know, I mean, he's someone that I think will come in right away and, and really just be such a, a big presence for them really on both sides. I think he'll, he'll make a big impact for them. Um, and you just keep going up and down the line, you know, with the guys that they brought in transfer wise. Um, I just, you know, I look at Florida and probably, I'm going to be more optimistic probably about Florida than I am. Maybe some of these other teams that are kind of in that range that we just don't really know what to do with them. Uh, I think with a lot of these teams that have new coaches, you're just automatically going to go there and say, well, I just don't know because I haven't seen this here. I haven't seen exactly what he's going to do. I can, I can see the film. I can see what he did at San Francisco, you know, pick some of these other guys that are new coaches, but I don't know what he's going to do here, like comparing it to, to this situation. But I mean, I think he has a lot of pieces in place to have success right away. And I think it goes back to what you said, Neil. It's because when you look at how the roster was constructed, he wasn't in a situation like a Matt McMahon. And, and as I mentioned again, like I think it's just McMahon did a great job. But Golden could be a little bit more, you know, I don't want to say it's stressful. It's always stressful. But, you know, there's not that just we have to get 12 guys on this roster it's a little bit of a luxury getting back the guys you got back, which, you know, the biggest one of all is Castleton. It was just so huge, I think, just for building the roster and the style they're going to play. Um, that, yeah, I think the, he put together a, a really nice roster here 
And I'm curious to kind of see what the rotation looks like, maybe beyond, you know, those top, I don't know, six, seven guys or kind of what that looks like from a, a minute standpoint. But I think there's a lot to like here for Florida. I think one of the things that that uh, maybe held the Gators back last year a little bit, not to say it was their, their only issue, they had a few, but um, was just that they didn't have someone who could really take over at the end of a close yeah. game. And I feel like so much in basketball is who's got that better ball handler, shot creator at the end of a game. Um, a lot of times it's that that's the team who ends up winning, the, the team who's got a better one of those guys. So when you look at this Florida team, does it – one concern you um, that they might lack that guy or uh, the other side of the question would be, you know, who do you think that guy will be at the end of a tight game for the Gators? Yeah. And I think that's another, you know, fair question. And, and I, I feel like, and, and this is just me again, I, I think we know Castleton's not going to bring the ball up the floor, but we do understand the valuable role that he's going to play. But I think having a loft in there, I feel like that, and this is, I know it's not exactly a straight answer, but, I feel like having someone like him is going to open up your options a bit more to maybe mold some guys into being in the spot. I mean, again, if it's, if it's not loft and if maybe he doesn't become the guy, because I think I go back to my initial, you know, argument here. Um, experience is so important. I think in the sec, especially. Um, and for him, he's coming from a, a St. Bonaventure, right? Like again, and I'm, I'm not, he's not coming from a, a big sky or, or some of these other places where you just, maybe you have a lot more questions. This is a guy who's what guys, I mean, he please played 30, was it 37 minutes or more every season at St. Bonaventure, I think. Um, yeah. You know, in a pretty, in a pretty good league. Right. I was going to say in a very competitive, solid league, you know, better some years than others, but you're talking about right. a guy that's essentially seen it all here. And, you know, um, I think that's so important. Someone who is, you know, you can look at the different stats and say, well, I'd like him to be a little bit more efficient there, which obviously, you know, for him, I think that the, the, the outside shot, you know, maybe knock down a few more shots from outside, those kind of things. But I think having the ball in his hands will be such an important part of answering that question, because if it's not him, I think he's like, OK, well, I can, I can put Colin Castle in a position to, to be in that situation, you know, and, and look, maybe some of these other guys kind of transform themselves into that. But is it as simple as a a Nick Smith on Arkansas? Is it as simple as maybe some of these others that, that we pick? Um, you know, maybe, I don't know. So, some of the, again, there's probably guys I'm just not thinking of on other teams, but maybe not. But I think that I am just, I am, I'm so high on the possibilities for him. I think with Todd Golden um, that, that there's a lot to like there. And, and again, maybe, maybe he becomes the guy um, that just, puts them in a position to to answer that question more definitively, whether it's him or, or whether it's somebody else. So I think we'll close with uh, Kentucky, Blake, um, which uh, – so <laughs> I've been thinking about how to frame – how do you frame the Kentucky question? Let's just let, – let's do it this way. Um, forget that they lost to St. Peter's. Uh, um Forget that the season before that was the worst season of the Calipari era. Um, is this the most talented team since the team that went 38 and one or whatever crazy number? Well, I mean, like they got a reclassified five-star center as a backup policy <laughs> to the national player of the year. Who it's not, I mean, if his numbers drop off even slightly, that will be like the difference between remember when Joe Kim Noah and Al Horford like flip-flopped on all American status? Yes. <laughs> the back to back, you know, like I can't see any huge distinction between what Sheboy does. Um, and then they've got two top ten recruits coming in. Um, I mean, honestly, you know, and, and I think Kentucky fans might yell at me for this assertion but like the only thing i'm really interested to see is how antonio reeves fits in just because a little bit unlike kellen grady who was still kind of catch and shoot in bob mckillop's offense um like reeves was like the guy with the basketball (laughs) like every possession um and so that's going to be an interesting adjustment for him even though he's obviously a brilliant scorer who to eric's point gives Kentucky a guy other than Sheboy that they can get the ball to late in the game, which they haven't had uh, the last two seasons, really. Um, I mean, your thoughts on that roster, they clearly are national championship caliber. 
Yeah, I think we should. What we should do is, since this is a Florida podcast, we should say Kentucky's going to win the national championship. That way, you know, if they fail, let's do it. Everyone's excited, right? <laughs> um, so <they're, laughs> we, we give them nowhere to go but down. Um, but Title Nine on the way. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, this is. I mean, yeah, I don't. It's a very. It's a great roster. It's um a superb roster. It is uh, one that, you know, when you're John Calipari and you're looking at it and you're like, well, we got that figured out. We got that figured out and on down the line. But I mean, there, there's no other way to, you know, you can't even put it probably into words what getting Oscar Shibway back will mean to this team this season. Um, just because if you take him out of the equation, it's just, it's a completely different discussion, but you do have someone that was just, had one of the more just ridiculous seasons uh, I thought of, of anyone I've seen in the sec in a while um, yes. getting him back. And I don't, you know, like I said, I don't know what you project numbers wise, but if he's anything close to what he was last year, even if there's a minor drop off, he's still going to be better than 99% of the league. Um, so I think just having that is a great situation. You know, you get someone back. I've, I know everyone I've seen a lot of different opinions on severe Wheeler, but I've always been a pretty big severe Wheeler fan. Um, I just think that to me, he's, he's still a guy you want out there. Maybe, you know, the shot isn't completely what you want it to be and those kind of things. But I still think you're, you're winning more games than not just having him in a position where he can kind of, you know, put other guys in the right position, if that makes sense. Um, And the guys they have coming in, I mean, look, these these freshmen um, are are going to be really good. Wallace is going to be really good. Livingston's going to be really good. Um, you know, you just there's just so much. And you talked about Reeves. He is to me like I don't think I don't know if X factor is the right word because I think he's going to be way more than an X factor. But in terms of how far this team can get, the one thing I've always said about Kentucky is since John Calabrese has been there. Yes, I think some of those early teams and someone calls me out on it then I guess it's the one Kentucky fan who listens to your podcast. But, um, you know, I, <laughs> I, I I don't remember exactly. I don't know if like comparing the three-point percentage for Kentucky as a team. I feel like Cal's earlier teams, Kentucky, were probably a bit better than we've seen in recent years. And, again, this is me going off the top of my head. Um, but I think it's just a necessity. I think for them to to win the SEC, to make a Final Four run, they have to have someone who can knock down a lot of three-point shots. And I just feel like there have been some teams that have not had that. And and maybe there are some teams that haven't even come close to that. And that takes away such a big element. And you can, you know, you can zone Kentucky. You can play them this way. Um, I think having a Reeves there is going to be so significant because I think he can step in and be in that position. Like you said, it's not exactly the same as Kellen Grady last year. Um, and in some ways, you know, people may look at this as, as a bit of an upgrade in terms of what he's going to be able to bring to the table. Uh, so yeah, I, I mean, I, I think those are things that you have to understand going in that that's why expectations are always high at Kentucky, but this feels like a roster. It's not just, you know, five star down the board one through eight, but when you talk about roster construction and how you want your roster to look. I'll be honest, guys, I go up and down this list and I'm thinking they have the most significant areas defined. They have a clearly defined guy who can play this role, that role, that role. You know, you've got the dominant big man. You've got the point guard that should put them in a position to have a lot of success. Everybody else on the floor, you know, you've got a what? I mean, you've got a a Wallace, a guy who will be a just a lockdown defender, I would think, Um, even as a freshman, you know, you've got. Reeves, like we said, who can be a guy that can be the knockdown threat that can take over a game potentially. You've got a lot of those areas defined. And when you have that, and there aren't a lot of questions, um, like you said, that's that's why we pick them to win the national championship and they have nowhere to go but down. So <laughs> I think uh, I think an all-time story that like did not get enough press when it did and i know he wasn't able to play last year but was uh was cj frederick the like 47 percent three-point shooter from iowa um uh, for for me it's just so funny as someone who is you know very online as a college basketball fan but uh 
there was a, uh, you know, Kentucky forums uh, on their boards were talking about us like, oh, we don't have a shooter. Like we never have shooting on this team. What's going on? And CJ Frederick's dad <laughs> went on a Kentucky uh, forum and said like, help's coming. Don't, don't worry. And uh, they did get the, uh, the 47% three point shooter from Iowa. So I'll be interested to see if he can uh, play and contribute there, but it's, uh, it's, yeah, it's good to see Cal modernizing. And you know, Blake, I, Blake, you're, you're actually forbidden from making a comment on what I'm about to say, because I think you're probably tired about talking about your take on NIL and NIL related things, but I will, I, I mean, unless you want to comment, but don't feel like you have to, but I do think that, you know, seeing Oscar Shibway for one more year is something that is a good part about NIL. Um, I think the college basketball, one of the issues they face is the casual fan having no idea year to year what players they should be watching, who's on which team. Um, I think when yeah. you can keep a, a uh, returning player of the year when you can get him back. Um, I think that really helps your sport. So I do think while, uh, you know, I, I, I've got to say this, even if someone is very against NIL, I hope that they can acknowledge this is, this is one of the good parts, but uh, um, yeah, we'll appreciate all your thoughts on, on Kentucky. And of course, all these other teams, Blake, by the way, uh, the fact that I forgot to mention CJ Frederick, which is just a, a total brain <laughs> lapse should tell you what, how good Kentucky can be. I'm, I'm sorry to, to repeat that yeah. on this Florida podcast, but it really um, should. It should, well, it should make you really think about how so that's it. So, yes, that I, I will use that as my excuse. But yes. when I'm sitting here with the roster in front of me and I just glanced over his name, I'm like, wait a second. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, that. sorry. Sorry to, sorry to break the news there. But, uh, yes, that should tell you how good um, Kentucky could be. And, no, it's it's a lot. Like I said, guys, this is, this is going to be a fun league this year. I look up and down. Um, like you, you said, Neil, we could go through every single team, but we'd be here for hours. Um, but I guess I, I do have to make my contractually obligated mention of Dennis Gates because, um, you know, yeah, I've, we didn't I've even some, get to Mizzou. <laughs> <laughs> I've had some fun with Missouri fans who um, I, it's all in good fun. Some, I don't think believe that is the case. And certainly you could read their <laughs> responses and, and uh, understand that. But, you know, when I, I said, when he was hired, I thought he could be one of the, the top two, you know, hires in the sec this all I, I think he could be kind of the the one that you look back on and say man um missouri got the the steal of the the off season i just i don't think it's happening this year i'm not i'm not telling you right now that i think missouri's going to make the tournament or anything i don't think they will um and, and you know chances are better than not that they may be a bottom four or five team in the sec but i i think this guy has it and i know you know again on a on a Florida podcast, me hyping up a former Florida State guy is is not going to win me any any favors here. No, but right. um, I just I think this guy is is a star, and I think that's the one too that you circle if you're looking at this from an SEC standpoint. Don't know if it'll be this year, although I think he had a fantastic offseason putting that roster together. Uh, but I think that he will have Missouri back where they need to be uh, very soon. That's very yeah, interesting. Yeah, I mean, they're going to be mean, at a minimum. No, go ahead. No, I was so I was going to say I was going to mention it feels like you know Blake that you and you know us as well are maybe like a little bit high like every kind of coach we brought up or like or team we brought up it's like oh you know I actually think that they're going to be like maybe a little bit better and like at some <laughs> point not every team can finish better than uh, than we right. think so. Uh, um, I, I've actually got to say that, yes, Missouri is a team I'm not super high on. And uh, I, I think I'm still waiting to see it a little bit from from Gates. So I will uh, uh, we'll have to see what happens and revisit this for next year's pod. But uh, I'm going to have one more question for, for Blake after you talk, Neil, but you go ahead. No, I was just going to say, you know, I am I am very high on on uh, Dennis Gates. I think he should get a lot of credit for what hand built in tally. Um, and I, you know, I, Eric, it, the listeners of this podcast get tired of me waxing about <laughs> what FSU has done uh, to go from just kind of the laughing stock of the ACC to one of the winningest programs in the sport in the last decade. Um, and yeah, I think Dennis Gates should get a lot of credit for that. I think Missouri is going to be interesting next year. Um, and I think him and Todd Golden, because we are a Florida podcast, are probably the hires that intrigue me the most. Obviously, if you saw the big profiles in CBS Sports and The Athletic,
All right. Well, Neil just hit, uh, <laughs> Neil just got frozen and bounced out. Um, so, well, hopefully he jumps in. So there's going to be a little bit of editing. Um, uh, Blake, I know that uh, you've got to go, but I had one question for you, or I guess it's going to be a comments and then a question. Um, I think that I think that Missouri fans might be the best pound for pound kind of underrated fans in the sec um i've always kind of enjoyed a lot of the the missouri fans like they're a really knowledgeable kind of fan base and for that reason i i kind of hope that they made the right hire and uh got to get to see some basketball success so i was gonna ask you i mean you've dealt with uh you've dealt with sec basketball fans for for so long now who do you think are like the most underrated fans or like your favorite fans however you want to kind of answer the question who who do you think you're like pound for pound best fans are in the sec well, I agree with you with Missouri because like you you mentioned, I, I think there are so many people who don't know kind of just how good Missouri has been before. And and that that is why I, that's what drives, I think, Missouri fans to understand that they at one point were, you know, one of the the better programs out there in terms of just um, basketball and uh, make, you know, consistency and those kind of things. And so, yes, I, I don't think Missouri fans get enough credit. But again, they haven't really had a lot to go on. Um, you know, in recent years, for sure. So it's hard to, well, I guess, again, Eric, I, I think I should say Florida, right? Because like, um, you know, I, I know what podcast I'm on, but I, I will tell you that um, as as someone who, and I know Neil was kind of hyping up, you know, when I do my previews and we do all this stuff now that we've kind of pivoted the video and doing all this other stuff, Arkansas fans are just, they are, they are just something. And um, I mean that in a good way. Like they are just such a passionate group. And there's another one. Like, I, I think there are some similarities you can look at with Arkansas and Missouri, because these are two programs. If you really think about it, like look at the tradition, look at the history. Um, and that's, you know, obviously there are other schools in the SEC that have the same thought, but you know, we we've always looked back on this when Mike Anderson was there and it's like, well, you know, maybe they just weren't meeting those expectations, right? And and everybody's trying to to run him off and those things. And I was like, look, I I, I think he's doing a good job. I don't think he's getting enough credit. But then I thought about it. I'm like, you know what? I get it because Arkansas remembers, you know, the mid '90s and and the national championship situations and those kind of things. So I think they're one that you know you see what Mus has done and just kind of what he's done for that fan base there. I think that is just I just laugh because you know there were times where they're making this run last year and we got, you know, a thousand people in our live stream reacting to this thing. I'm like, what is going on? What is my life right now that I've got a thousand Arkansas fans are in here watching us, you know, recap their, their win over the Zags or something. So, um, yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't know if that's underrated, but I think that's the one that, man, there's just, there's so many of those that I think, again, they're just itching to be back to where they've gotten to under Eric Musselman. And, um, yeah, I, I think they're, they're definitely one that's, um, a lot of passion there for the Razorbacks. So I actually realized I said that Missouri and I still maybe will stand by that, like pound for pound, like knowledgeable basketball fans. I like Missouri, but like, I've got to say, I love every bit of the Auburn fans meme culture yeah. on Twitter and the meme <laughs> parties they throw under they are great. score yeah. graphics of opposing teams after that. Like I love every every bit of that and uh i forget i forget if florida was one of them but there's been a couple teams i know of like not tweeted them out knowing that auburn fans would go crazy and i think you've just <laughs> yeah. gotta you've just gotta embrace it i think it's great so um also honorable mention to the uh the meme squad of, of auburn yeah i would give auburn a lot of love too because you talk about atmospheres in the sec um there there have not been many better from what bruce pearl has built there and yes i that that may be actually the best one although i think the secret's kind of out now with the success they've had but Auburn basketball fans, I know it's Alabama Auburn football, but boy, Auburn basketball fans, Alabama basketball, like they they love their basketball. And um, yeah, so there's that's something too, guys. It kind of goes full circle. Talking about just the the evolution of the league. It has just yeah. made the the fan bases, the just overall engagement and interaction, not just you know, for us on social media, but like just you see it at games and those kind of things. Like it, I don't even want to say like it's getting back to where it used to be because it's just a different area, right? Like, you know, I'm in Nashville, Vanderbilt Memorial gym was packed. If they were playing, you know, Southeast Northwest state, um, back in the yeah. day, but it's, <laughs> you know, it's never going to be that way again, no matter how good Vanderbilt is, they could be the number one team in the country. There's not going to be, you know, 15,000 people there, but it, it has kind of reinvigorated, right. I think SEC basketball fans. And that's, that's been a lot of fun to see. So. Well, Blake, we appreciate you, uh, you coming on, sharing a bunch of way too early SEC preview thoughts with us. And um, 
yeah, just uh, once again, tell the people that hung out the whole show <laughs> where to find you. Yeah, I, I appreciate it, guys. Uh, it's like I said, it's always a fun discussion. And next time I come back on, uh, I will. I promise I'll pick Florida to to win it all and or pick Florida to finish last. That way, you know, I don't maybe that way there's no last, way to give it up. Last. Whereas, <laughs> whereas I pick Kentucky to win the national championship. By the way, I'm not actually picking Kentucky to do that because um, there's another discussion that could go a long way, but I don't want to, um, you know, get into my thoughts on picking a national champion before the tournament bracket has been released. But um, right. yes, you can find everything southeastern14.com. That's uh, the number one for southeastern14.com. That's all of our stuff over there. We'll have plenty of stuff throughout basketball season. We pretty much have leaned into all things YouTube now. So we're pretty much just doing all videos. You can find all our football stuff over there. If you're interested in um, our, our Florida uh, football stuff and SEC football. And yeah, we'll have our, our previews for every SEC basketball game once the season gets here and reaction and all that stuff. Uh, and yeah, for everything else, you can follow you can follow me on Twitter at the Blake Level. But um, I may not tweet until like November. But you can you can follow me on there. I'll, I'll retweet this. How about that? So that'll that'll get the juices flowing again on Twitter. So there it is, and he'll be back. He'll be back for Feast Week, guys. So you know that's right. That's <laughs> when we all start tweeting again. <laughs> Thanks, Blake. Take care, buddy. Thanks, guys. Blake Level. Ladies and gentlemen, um, always good to catch up with Blake. So just a little rundown on this real quick, and I'll let Eric sign us off. Um, Eric Foss and I are actually going to do another show this week. It's going to be all Florida stuff. So if you guys are going to please just resist the urge to dive into our DMs and tell us all the players that we didn't talk about that joined the program since we last recorded. That's two. Um or ask us about Keontae Johnson or any of this stuff. We know that we're going to do another show this week. <laughs> uh, yeah, honestly, it's uh, it's quite flattering um, that there's people that are like, hey, like, where the hell are you? Um, it's, uh, <laughs> right. we, we did have lives to lead. Um, Neil had some pretty important uh, stuff going on in his life. So, uh, uh, yes, it's uh, it was a, a, a break that wasn't, uh, you know, I wish that we were both just, you know, hanging out, kicking out by the beach, but that wasn't the case. Pretty busy uh, times in our lives. So, uh, uh, sorry about that, but you know, I take it as, as, as flattering that some of you guys were, uh, you know, really, you know, asking what we were doing and why we we're recording shows, but we will have more for you soon. So, um, if you're a serious fan, who's listening to this, um, late in the podcast in an off season, um, podcast and you're like, Hey, when is, when is there going to be more? Um, we will have it for you and thank you. Uh, thank you so much for listening. And, uh, Neil told me to sign off. So go Gators and keep attacking closeouts.